Welcome back to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. Today you'll meet Rebecca. She is the third Jenkins sibling to share their story on the podcast. She was just nine when her mom passed after a second stroke and today is a recent high school graduate. As I tell Rebecca in the podcast, she sure is mature for an 18-year-old and I think her mom would be real proud of the work she's done on being able to recognize and receive the love she has from her mom. If you have another topic that you'd enjoy hearing on the podcast, please let me know. You can find my email and other details in the show notes. Thanks again for your continued support of the podcast. And now, Rebecca's story. Hi, this is Beth, and welcome to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. Today, I have with me Rebecca. Rebecca is sibling number three from the Jenkins family that we're hearing from about uh, losing their mom. Danielle was the first one to share uh, from the Jenkins family. And then uh, Raymond was my first son without a daughter. And so Rebecca reached out and said that she would like to share her story too, which I just love um, because I've always talked about how my sister and I were three years apart in age, but our perspectives were so different on the things that we remembered. And there's nothing right or wrong about that. It's just, you know, what your perception is at that age it would, when the event happens. So I'm thrilled that she's here today and um, to hear her story. I'm going to let her tell a little bit about herself. I am going to congratulate her. She just graduated from high school. Congratulations. <laughs> I have you. a son the same age, so I know what a big deal that that is. So. Um, and a wedding coming up with your sister on Saturday. So <laughs> you guys always seem to join me in the midst of huge things going on. Yes, when we, we're very busy. <laughs> when we did Raymond's, it was the day of your mom's, the anniversary of your mom's death and the day of your graduation. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, do you want to do it another day? He was like, no, no, it's good. <laughs> so I appreciate you being here, Rebecca. I'm going to turn it over to you and let you introduce yourself a little and then tell us the story about your mom. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate being here. I'm nervous, but I'm really excited because it is something I love to talk about. Um, this is just a different way of talking about it, I think. So that's why I'm nervous, but I'm also very excited. <laughs> so thank you so much for the opportunity. To start off my uh, story, I just want to give a little bit of information about me. Right now, I'm 18. Like she said, I just graduated. Um, not an easy day without a mom, but it was very special. And when I walked across the stage, I kissed my mom's ring and I put it in the air. And um, that was something that I got to share with her. And I think that was really special. So even though she wasn't there, it was something that I got through and we did it. And I am going to college at University of South Florida now um, in August. I move in August 19th to my dorm and I'm super excited. It's a big change, but I'm very excited for everything that's coming. And, and especially in my family with all the changes we've had this year but um, I'm very excited. And just to start off my story, I just wanna talk about my mom and how um, I think that I got almost every single attribute that my mom had. I got every single one. I got her facial structure, her hair, her body type, the way that she's like always loving and kind. Like I got her entire personality. I got her eye color on top of everything else. So we look very similar. And I've had a lot of people at random times throughout you know, the loss of my mom say, oh my gosh, you look just like your mom right now, just at random times. And it's always something that I am very proud of and that I get to share with her. And um, always something that is very special to me and always will be. Um, you know, that she was always very loving. I always knew she was supportive. Even to this day, I still feel like she's supporting me even from afar. Um, 
And it's just something very special to me that I get to like, at least I had that time to know like, okay, this was my mom. She was loving, she was kind. She always was supportive. I don't have to worry about her not being there, being mad that I got a bad grade on a test because I knew she would be supportive. And my dad was the exact same way. And they were always very loving no matter what we were doing. Um, to start off the actual story of um, how my mom passed away, I think it's super important to talk about our last full family trip, which is something that I think we all cherish is those family trips. Uh, we never really took trips as a family other to see other family. So this was a special trip. Um, we went to SeaWorld. We had the best memories there. That's something very vivid in my mind. Um, I know every detail about that trip. I can tell you every single detail. And um, sharing that with my family before all the chaos started with my mom's first stroke and all of the pain that happened from then on and the changes that happened within all of us. I think that was super special to have, especially as a young kid. So I got to see my family happy and as a whole, just see everyone as a whole. <laughs> um, so after that first trip together, um, that uh, I think it was a month or so around the time after that first trip that my mom had her first stroke, um, this was something very confusing for me because I knew nothing about anything <laughs> except my family and what I did in school that day and my friends, like that was all I knew. And um, so that first stroke, um, the night that she actually had it, something that I don't think I've really told many people is that that night, and I don't think that this means anything. I don't think it was a reason for what happened. I don't blame myself for anything, but um, she we always cuddled on the couch. We always watched TV every night. It was just a thing. Most of the time, I probably wouldn't even sleep in my bed. I would just sleep on the couch with my mom and cuddle with her because that's, she was just always wanting to cuddle. She was always very close to me. And um, so that night when she had the stroke, we were actually watching TV. And for some reason, I did not like criminal shows. They freaked me out and I just didn't want to watch them. But that's, of course, what she loved the most. And so um, we were sitting there on the couch and I was like, mom, I don't want to watch this. Like, can you please turn this off? And she was like, no, if you don't want to watch it, just go sleep with your dad. And I was like, okay, I'll go sleep with dad. Then. <laughs> um, and then that next morning when I woke up, that's when I found out. And my sister woke me up in my dad's bed where I was still sleeping. I never woke up that night with all the chaos going on in the house. Um, my sister woke me up the next morning, came home from Valdosta, which was very strange. I was like very surprised to see her. It was very weird. And she told me, she was like, mom's in the hospital. She um, went to the hospital last night and she had had a stroke. And um, this was like very weird times because it wasn't a time where I thought, okay, my mom's gonna die. I was like, my dad was a preacher. We were always in the hospital seeing people that were sick. They were always getting better. Um, so that's just what I thought. Okay, she's gonna get better. It's gonna be fine. And so um, I do remember going to the hospital. And when we got there, I was too young to go upstairs, which was, always a problem. Um, I was only nine at the time and she um, was in the hospital and I wasn't allowed to go upstairs. So there was always someone to keep watch over me, um, either being my brothers, uh, church family, anyone possible that had the time and patience to hang out with me all day long. But I was there from morning to dawn every day. Um, and eventually I actually had one of the church family come and she was absolutely not having it. She was like, you're going to see your mom. Your mom's asking for you. She wants to see you. 
And um, that was something that I've always been so happy about that someone was like, okay, we're not doing this. We're sneaking you up there. No matter what it takes, you're going to see your mom. <laughs> and that is something very special. And that um, she really put me in her jacket coat and walked with me all the way upstairs through all the doctors and elevators. We went through all of it and we got upstairs and my mom cried and hugged me. And that um, reuniting with my mom was very special because it was a weird situation, but I never thought, okay, my mom's going to die from this. She's going to be sick forever. Nothing like that. So it was just, okay, she's in the hospital. She's sick. I'll see her when I see her. Um, and that's how I felt throughout the whole first stroke. Even whenever she was in physical therapy um, hospital, she, um, we saw her, I feel like almost every day. And I had started fifth grade at the time um, after her first stroke. And even after school, we would go, my brothers, my dad, we would go and see her every day. I made a birdhouse with her while I was there. Um, we played games. I did her physical therapy with her. And it was always something um, very special that I did get to spend that time with her. And even though she was sick and I knew something was wrong, she was still so loving and supportive and just wanted to be around her kids. That's all she wanted. Um, so I'm very happy that I got to be around her. And um, I think, after she came home, um, a lot of this is a blur. So honestly, I've read her old Facebook post and she's like, I'm coming home today. I took this many sp steps today and just giving everyone her update on what was going on. And so that's how I know, but she was super excited when I came to see her, that was on her Facebook. Um, and she was super excited to come home. That was the, one of the biggest things. She loved being at home with her kids, with her family. That's all she ever wanted. <laughs> and that's all she worked for, honestly. Um, so when she came home, it was a little different and I could tell, but it was never so different that I thought something was wrong. It was just, okay, she's sick. And we also had um, one of our church family members. Um, they had, she had had a stroke. Someone that we knew from the church had had a stroke. So I was like, okay, she's got through it. She had a couple of problems with her arm. She had a couple of problems with her speech, but other than that, she was perfectly fine walking growing perfectly fine everything was fine so I was like okay she did it my mom's gonna do it it's gonna be fine and so I was always super excited to go to like physical therapy with my mom at any point that I could and just support her and her journey and what she was doing and I think the one time I went to physical therapy with her she um it just felt very strange because the doctors I felt gave up on her and they stopped the physical therapy. And that was a moment where I was like, okay, maybe this isn't gonna get better. Um, why can't the doctors have support for my mom? Why I just didn't understand the situation. And my dad always just said like, that's just it, it they couldn't do anymore. And um, that was it for physical therapy. And moving on from then, um, I did start seeing changes in my mom's like personality. Um, being that there was one time she wanted me to take her down a flight of stairs in her wheelchair by myself with no one else at home and I told her no because I was like mom I don't feel comfortable doing that and we ended up getting in a huge fight it was the first time I think I had ever fought with my mom to be honest and um, it was very different and I could tell that something's wrong like this isn't normal she would not be mad at me for this she would understand so I think that was a moment for me where I was like, okay, maybe something is wrong, but still death was never an option for me. That was not something I ever thought about. Um, 
so later on when we had my brother's graduation and my entire family was there the day after the graduation we had his graduation party and this is my favorite story with my mom it's something that has really helped me get through everything that I've been through and um so the day after my brother's graduation we had his graduation party and my mom was still in the wheelchair of course and she was sitting inside and I was sitting inside with her because I was always around her I just wanted to be around her that was it and um everyone else was playing volleyball and she knew I wanted to play because I kept talking about it of course and I was like look at them they're playing volleyball I want to play like stuff like that and but I wasn't going to leave her because I knew she couldn't go and I knew she couldn't play so I was like absolutely not I'm not leaving you and um that same day she looked at me and she goes you can go and play I'll always be watching you from the sidelines no matter what and that is a moment for me where um I have always cherished it I have always had it in the back of my head when I miss my mom even when I started playing sports that was something that really did help me feel like my mom was there and how she was supporting me and anything that I wanted to do um but even then when she said it at the time of course I was like okay mom like <laughs> love you I'm gonna go play now and so I went out and played volleyball and um I don't know it's just one of those moments <laughs> that really brings me back to the loving and nurturing side of my mom where I knew she always was there and always was supportive no matter what I mean I'm sure that what she was going through was very hard for her but she never made that obvious to me ever I never knew um I've heard things from my family members since then because we're all very open but other than that she never made it obvious to me that um anything was really wrong except the times that I saw it myself um that night um that she went in the hospital for the second stroke I actually stayed with my grandparents and my aunt and uncle I mean my two aunts and we stayed in a hotel like 15 minutes away from the house and I only stayed with them because I never got to see them and of course they wanted to spend time with me and um that day it's weird to me because even my other siblings they don't seem to remember telling my mom like I love you when I left and that's something that now I'm very particular about that I say I love you to everyone um but I don't remember saying it um I don't remember a lot of things but I really don't remember that and so that night when I went to the hotel everything was fine um that next morning i woke up it was already the sun was already out um to my understanding what happened to my mom happened in the middle of the night um so it was a while after that i found out again and um i woke up and my aunt was on the phone and she was like okay keep us posted about them so i thought okay someone from the church is in the hospital because i knew she was talking to my dad i was like who else could it be someone at the church is in the hospital i thought it was um one of the guys that i was very close with because they were all acting very strange when i woke up woke up so i was like okay um this sucks <laughs> like what if it is that guy um but i still it never crossed my mind that was my mom and um as soon as she hung up the phone with my dad she looked at me and she told me and she was like your mom's in the hospital again um this was the first moment that i had that i um thought like okay this is it <laughs> cuz if you don't have um 
a disease or something like that. I don't feel like you should be in the hospital more than once. Um, so that was the first time for me that I thought, okay, this is it. Like, and so um, I cried with them and then we all like sat on that bed and we prayed together. Um, and then um, we left to go to the hospital and um, I actually fell asleep in the car. <laughs> and when I woke up, they were lost. <laughs> and um, the reason why we got to the hospital, surprisingly, and um, at the time it was only 10, so I'm surprised I even knew, um, but we had been there so often for not just my mom, for other reasons. And I was like, I think it's by some factory. And we found it just by me knowing about some factory that we saw. Um, that that day was just um, very weird. Um, when we got there, um, not all of our family members were there. Um, a lot of people had left and had to come back after my brother's graduation because everyone was working and everything like that. Um, so when we got to the hospital, again, I was not old enough to go upstairs. <laughs> um, very annoying. And this moment, um, was very different because my sister was not having it. Um, nobody was having it. I mean, my mom was very sick. Everyone wanted to be upstairs with our family and together because that's all we ever cared about, just my mom. We're always very big family people and we always watch out for each other. Um, so my sister came and she told the lady, she was like, her mom is dying. I don't know why you're not letting her up there. So she, she played that card for the first time. Um, and I obviously was allowed to stay up there after that. And they wouldn't let me in the room um, with my mom. And my sister didn't recommend that I even go and see my mom the way she was. Um, I don't know. And I still, I have an image of what maybe it would look like based on whatever. Um, but I never went in the room. I stayed in the waiting room and hung out with family. I um, hung out with my brothers. Um, Ramey was there a lot. Um, and then I got to see all the church family. Since I was in the waiting room, I saw every person come in and out the door, every single person. And um, I, it was always, I could tell when people were crying, but they would never cry around me. And I think it was so that I, didn't know and so that they could protect me but at the same time I knew so I was always trying to care for them you know smile show them that I'm okay because I knew everyone was worried about me I just knew it and um it was something that I still see as like a blessing today that we did have that many people to come and watch over me and my family and we had so much help <laughs> I mean so much <laughs> all the time and no one ever complained about it. No one ever said anything. It was just everyone was loving and caring and that was it. And it was just a beautiful thing to watch. And I think it helped me grow as a person, especially now just realizing like, okay, this is what other people need. Those people that were there for me, other people need that same exact love and support when they're going through a hard time, whether it be from anything, um, not even the same situation, just anything. And um, other than that, um, the hospital and all of that is just kind of a mess. I couldn't tell you what days anything happened. I couldn't really tell you the order things happened, but um, 
the one thing I do remember is my dad pulling me aside. And I think he pulled all the siblings aside. And um, it was just, I don't know, it was very weird. You could tell that he was not okay. Um, but he was also the same type of person where he was not going to cry and he didn't want us to think anything was wrong. And I know that took a huge toll on him having to be that person. Um, but he took me in the room and we went into the chapel at the hospital, which I've been a few times since my mom's passed away. And it's a very special place in my heart. Um, but he took me in there and we sat down um, and we were just looking around. It took him a minute to be able to tell me. But that was the time that he told me that my mom was not going to make it. And this moment, um, I felt like I already knew. I was like, okay, we've been here for too long. This is not the same hospital room she was in. This is not the same situation because my mom was in ICU. And very soon after she went in the hospital, I had someone explain to me what that was. Um, so I knew this was not good. Um, I think that I already had an idea that this was going to happen. But hearing it from my own dad was... Um, very difficult because I mean he's the one I looked up to he was the one that I wanted for guidance and you know he was my other loving supportive parent so <laughs> it was just what I expected and um, so when he told me we both cried um, we sat there for a while I think until we both calmed down he just hugged me and told me it was gonna be okay um, and then we went back upstairs and we hung out with family and I think later that night we had a meeting with the actual doctors so they would tell us everything was going to happen, how they were moving into hospice and where the place was and what to expect and what actually happened and all the medical stuff. And I was in that room, but um, I didn't understand anything. I just remember my aunt asking a lot of questions like she always did because she always wanted to know every detail because it was important to her. That was something that helped her cope, I think. And um, I remember that and that was basically it. I don't really remember anything else about what happened in that room or what happened after. But um, when we went to the hospice house, this place was so beautiful. Everything about it was just beautiful. The trail was beautiful. The room that my mom was staying in was beautiful. There were windows everywhere. It was just a beautiful place and it was very quiet. It was just, um definitely a good place that I think my mom would have felt comfortable in um but I actually that's when I started learning how to play the piano was at the hospice place my sister taught me this thing with my right hand with numbers to play amazing grace and so that's all I did all the time was play that <laughs> I wanted to go play the piano and I wanted to go walk on the trail with my brother and um that was it <laughs> I mean um, I do remember one night when uh, everyone was there at this point. Everyone that could be there was there. Um, all of my family members, we were there all the time. Um, we all started, we all played games and we actually got in trouble for being too loud. <laughs> and um, that moment for me is super special because two of the people that were there have passed away now. Um, and this is a good moment that again a moment where my whole family whether it be connected through something awful we were connected in a way that we never have been before and because of how big my family is and how far apart we all are um my dad's side of the family we haven't always been super close with because they've never lived super close 
so just having them all there all there my mom's family there and everyone just happy for a moment at the least is just something that's super special to me um and something I will never forget and I will always cherish that moment um after that night I think it was two more days until my mom passed away um I don't really remember a lot of the stuff at the hospice house the day that my mom actually passed away except for I know that morning I was supposed to go swimming at the hotel we were staying at and we were eating breakfast we were already dressed and everything um we're eating breakfast and my uncle I think um got a call saying that my mom was gonna pass away and that her breathing was slowing and just um everything was happening so quick and so we rushed got done eating breakfast got dressed went to the hospice house and I remember there were so many people there and all through the week there were people coming to say their goodbyes and um that's something I don't think I ever did because I did not feel comfortable talking to my mom in that state. I didn't even want to be in the room half the time. Um, and I just felt when you, when you went in there, you could just feel the pain. And I didn't like that as a kid. And so I stayed out of there as much as possible. I just took myself wherever I hung out with whoever and I did whatever. Um, but that day when we got there, um, we had some church family there. Um, our pianist from church was there. So of course I was like, come look at this. I can play the piano now. And we went and we were playing piano. And then her daughter who was saying her goodbyes to my mom came and we got some water with her. And I was like, okay, why is she upset? Like I just still, it was very weird for me to see so many people upset, especially when it wasn't their mom. And when it was other people that I, um, knew we're close to my mom it was very hard for me to be like why are you crying um, what's wrong and I just didn't understand um, so when I saw her I could tell she was upset I was like okay and so I was like maybe we should go back to the room and so when we were walking back um, this is something that has been very hard for me to deal with and something that I've heard a millions of times in my head regardless if I wanted to um, when we were walking back, I just heard screams and I'm not sure if it came from my sister or from my other family members. And I just remember running into the room and everyone's hugging. Um, I don't really remember, um, who hugged me or who hugged me first or what happened. Um, cause I came in the room after it was already done. Um, it was a very weird moment. Um, I don't really remember that part of it. Um, I don't remember who was there for me or what happened. But I know right after my mom passed away, um, my brother and I and my other brother Juan, so it was me, Ramey, and Juan, um, we went and walked on the trail and I looked at Juan and I was like, I don't think I've ever seen you cry because I just didn't understand. <laughs> Honestly, I just didn't understand. Um, and that's a moment that I'll never forget because I remember how confused I was because I wasn't really emotional. I didn't really cry. And I think it was more because I just didn't understand what was going on to the full extent. And I didn't have that time with my mom to really have those like memories to grieve over at that very moment. And so it just seemed like, okay, we're in the hospital. This will be over. And, you know, um, 
after we got back from the walk, I remember calling my best friend and she didn't live here at the time. And that's something that she's had to work through um, because she didn't get to say her goodbyes to my mom, but I never did. So I've always told her like, you don't want to be there. You didn't want to have those memories. Like I promise you, but it's something that I'll never understand. Um, I remember calling her. I don't remember what we talked about, but I'm sure it was a good conversation. <laughs> um, after that, I went back in the room and I'm not sure why I went back, but I went back in the room. My mom was still laying there. And that was the first time that whole week that I had talked to her. And um, she had already passed this time. And my dad was in there packing up his stuff. And I think that was the first time I'd seen my dad that day. Um, because he was just grieving himself and he didn't really know how to handle it. Um, but I saw my dad and I was talking to my mom, like, I miss you already. Like, I love you. <laughs> and um, my dad just said, if you want to talk to her, like, now you have to talk to her through God. And that was a moment that I was like, okay, this is weird. This isn't normal. <laughs> like, what is happening? And um, that's something that's always stuck in my mind because I have every time that I pray, I always say, hey, God, um, tell my mom I love her. Tell her I said hi, whether she hears it or not. I'm sure she's listening, but just please tell her I said hello and that I love her and miss her. Like, just because I just, I don't know. Um, so that's just something I've always done. And, you know, since my mom passed, um, it hasn't always been easy. <laughs> but, and I mean, life keeps moving regardless of if you want it to. People have to go back to work. You have to go back to school. You have to learn how to live your life. And um, I remember fifth grade. And that was when I started fifth grade the year. My mom died in June, June 1st. Um, and I started fifth grade in August. And I remember um, both of my teachers knew my mom because she did work at our school as a substitute and as a teacher a few times. And so they were all very close to my mom as well. They even came to the hospice house to say bye to her also. And so having them as my teachers really helped me get through what I was going through. Um, but there was one instance where I, all the kids were just talking about their moms and I was like, okay, um, yeah, my mom used to do the same thing. My mom can crack her knuckles by just moving her fingers. And some kid, I don't think he understood and I obviously didn't understand, but he looked at me, he goes, your mom used to be able to do that. And that was a moment for me where I realized that nobody understands. I was like, I don't understand, but I had so many questions asked from kids at my school about what happened. Like, oh, didn't you lose your mom? Like, kids just, it doesn't make any sense. Um, and so that was a moment. And I remember going to the bathroom and I cried. And my teacher came in there and she cried with me because it's always very emotional, I think, for especially like other mothers to see like kids grieving like that. Um, so I always had a good support system of all these mothers that just wanted to be there for me and love me and care for me. Um, and after that, um, I really don't remember like being upset about it too much. Um, because I just, I don't know, my mom's motto was it is what it is. And it was what it was. So, um, there was not really much that I could do, um, uh, for myself at the time, because I just didn't get it. 
And I know my family did try to shield me from certain things, but I still knew a lot more than I think people knew I knew. <laughs> and there were times when I would just want to cuddle or I would just want to hold someone or someone to hold me or just give me a hug. Um, and that was something that I really missed. Um, and that was most of the time why I was crying is because I just wanted my mom and I just wanted a hug. Um, I think the hardest thing for me after my mom's death was seeing my other family members go through it at the same time I was going through it, but in a very different way. Um, I've seen my dad struggle a lot because my mom was only 48. My dad was, I think, 50. Um, so they were both obviously still very young for passing away. And um, it was not something my dad ever expected to happen. Um, he had me and my brother still at home and two kids in college. And it was just a very difficult situation, I think, for him. And I've always realized that. Um, but I remember when I was younger, we were still in the old house um, where my mom used to live. And um, I was crying and my dad was at the church doing something. And so I went there and you could physically tell that I was crying. And I um, went there because I wanted a hug from my dad, but I didn't want to tell him that I needed it. <laughs> and when I went there that day, um, it was like, he just didn't seem to notice. And that's when I realized like, okay, he's going through this um, also. So at that point, I think that's when I started relying on my best friend who after my mom passed away, actually moved back. So I always found that as a plus, <laughs> um, uh, but I started relying on my best friend who I feel like really understood it. Um, after that point, when I think my hardest part, the hardest part for me was when we moved from that house because I had so many memories there. That's where I spent my whole life. That's where I had my mom. That's where everything happened. That's where I had all my dogs. Um, it was just, my whole life was there. And um, I think everyone feels the same way when they're moving, that it's a very hard thing to do is leave those memories behind, but you don't have to, but it seems like it. And I remember the night before I moved, my best friend and I sat there all night long, just talking about memories, talking about my mom. We cried, we just laughed and cried. And that is one of those beautiful moments for me where I just felt so, um, at peace because I'm like okay the way we're talking about it right now we can always talk about it it's the same way that I've always talked about my mom regardless of who I was talking to I love talking about her because she was a beautiful person and she made me who I was regardless of if she was here for my whole life um and I give everything to her I, I obviously give props to everyone else but I mean I give everything to her for everything that she did while she was here because anything could have happened at any point and the way that she loved and cared for me throughout the 10 years that she was able to spend with me really made a difference in my life um but other than that um just after moving I think starting a new school and having to tell people my story again and having to explain to people why I moved and why everything was happening was something that I really didn't want to do. I think a lot of kids at my old school, because I was only there for a year and a half, really didn't know my situation. I didn't really care to talk about it. I didn't want to tell all these people because I was like, I'm probably just going to move again. I don't want to get close to these people. <laughs> like, 
it was always that way. And so there were a few people that knew and a few parents that knew, and they were always loving, always supportive. I had so many parents love and care for me at all times. I was never alone. There was never a moment where I thought, okay, I have nowhere to go. If things at my house were um, bad, there was never a moment where I couldn't call someone. I couldn't call my best friend. I couldn't go to a friend's house. I couldn't talk to someone or go get a hug from my friend's parents, which has always helped, honestly. Um, having another mom figure, although not my mom, is something that I've always appreciated and always cared for. Um, and I think um, those two years were my hardest. Um, while I was there, I went through, I think, I don't really know if I can call it depression. I'm not really sure what it was, but I was very down and um, I really didn't want to do it anymore. There were times I would sit in the bathtub and I would just think like, do I really want to do this anymore? Like, is this worth it? And it was always, your family needs you. They can't go through this again. You can't do this. This isn't the right decision. You can't do it. Like your family needs you. Your dad needs you regardless of if he's working or whatever he's doing, he needs you. And that was always something that helped me get through in that family aspect where I did have a very supportive and loving family and background. That was something that really helped me get through it. Um, my family was always there, whether it be my brothers at times, whenever they weren't busy, um, my sister would come at times when she wasn't busy. Um, it was always at different times. And I always loved having three siblings because there was never a time when I was alone. They were all, there was always someone. Um, and I've always really appreciated that part as well as just having my siblings <laughs> and especially us being all at different ages. I've loved seeing how different we are and love seeing how we've all grown through the situation that we've been through. Um, and I think that everyone was watching out for me. So I always had like a never ending support system. Um, and I always felt that my mom was always watching. That's still something that I wholly believe in that she's watching, she knows what I'm doing, she knows um, everything. And I cherish that every day that, okay, she is watching, she is around, uh, although she's not here to give me a hug and tell, her, tell me that she loves me and that I'm gonna get through this, that she knows I'm gonna get through it. And that's why she was taken from me at such a young age. Um, and I believe that everything happens for a reason. Um, I think that getting my best friend back at the time, that helped a lot. Um, that was a major plus for me. And we both had so much going on. So we both just were always there for each other. Um, I think that um, while I was with my dad and just everything was falling apart, that was, again, the hardest part for me was just watching him go through it. And it hurt me to see him go through it the most just because he was my father. He was the person I looked up to. He, no matter what he did, it was still the person I looked up to. And I always realized how hard he was working and what he was doing. And um, he did have a girlfriend at the time that I did not get along with. Um, it was very hard, very adjusting situation. Um, I had to adjust a lot <laughs> to her. Um, I did try for a really long time and um, she was just not the right person for my family, for my dad, for us. And that's okay. Um, she 
there was one moment where um, things were just not going good with Ben. It wasn't going good with us. She couldn't get the support of our siblings um, or me, to be honest. And she, we were in the car and she looked at me and she was like, I don't understand why your siblings don't like me. And I just told her, I was like, um, I think that it's just really hard for us to see you with our dad because we've only seen my mom, <laughs> like, that's it. And she was like, well, I think it's about time that you guys just get over your mom's death. Yeah. And that was um, one of those moments where I realized that people are mean, that people um, don't understand situations. They don't understand the way that you're feeling. They just try to shove their emotions at you and say, this is how you should feel. And there's never a certain way of how you should feel. Um, it's always very different for everyone. Um, and I think for me, that was one of those moments where I was like, okay, you know what? I have to be there for myself. <laughs> There's obviously going to be more people like this. Um, she was not the right person. And that was it. And that was the situation. And I let it go. And I was like, okay. Um, and soon after that, we actually ended up moving to Florida with my sister, which I was not happy about <laughs> because I did not want to move again. I had just started making friends and having fun and doing stuff. And I was in my freshman year of high school and I was like, I don't want to move to a different high school. Teenagers are mean. <laughs> so I was not excited to move, but I think moving to Florida was the biggest step that we could have ever taken. And that that is one of those um, moments in my life that I am so thankful for because it really did get me out of an awful place. Even when I was in Georgia, I went through a phase where I started doing things I should not have been, um, like smoking and drinking. And it was just because I didn't understand it. And it wasn't necessarily to get rid of my problems. It was just to feel better for a moment because it was overwhelming at times. And I think that's what a lot of people feel. And um, I'm actually thankful that I did it at a young age because it gives me a different perspective of it now. And I have always been... Um, you know, very watchful of what I'm doing because I'm like, okay, my family needs me. I can't do something stupid. I can't pretend like this isn't stupid. I'm not, I always knew. I was always smart enough to know what I was doing. And, um, you know, I think after moving to Florida, uh, there were moments where I felt alone just because I didn't have my friends anymore. And I moved here in the middle of the summer, so I had nothing to do except hang out with my family, which was fine. I watched Netflix, <laughs> hung out, and ate Taco Bell all the time. <laughs> um, but I think that was a time for me where I was like, I felt the most alone just because I was around my family, but they were at work, they were doing stuff. And I'm like, wow, I have no one. Like, it was um, frustrating at the time. And then when I started um, high school in Florida, it was very difficult but very exciting I was in that um international baccalaureate program or the IB program and um I think being so stressed all the time with that program helped me to <laughs> ignore all my other problems and just make it through and I think that always in my life that I've always been so busy that I honestly don't feel like I've grieved but I think that it also helped me get through it so I'm not sure about the grieving process. I'm not sure if I ever really did. I can't really tell you. I don't remember certain moments or certain things, but I think that 
just being busy all the time has always helped me. I love being at work. I love being stressed out with school. It's always so fun for me. And then after that, I go out and I stay out until late at night. And then I wake up in the morning and I do it all again. Um, that's always so like helpful for me. And, um, you know, I think um, another one of the hardest things is growing up and becoming an adult. Um, when I was going through that phase of becoming a woman, um, my sister sent me like a little emergency box and <laughs> told me what to do and how to deal with it. And I was perfectly fine from that. And it actually did help, um, you know, and on top of just becoming an adult, I think another one of the hardest things other than seeing my family struggle was going to funerals. That was something that was not okay for me. Um, I remember my first funeral that I went to, I went to my friend's mom's funeral and she was only 12. Yeah. And, um, that moment for me was when I realized, okay, I'm not alone. There are other people that are going to go through this. Um, I am very happy that I had the opportunity to know her and be friends with her at that time because we were new friends and it happened right after we became friends. It was like perfect timing and her mom um, passed away um, in a horse riding accident, actually, very instantaneously. Um, and I remember I couldn't go to the funeral. I went to the viewing and it was at the same place that my mom's viewing was. So it was a rush of emotions. And she actually um, sat down with me at a couch and she asked me, she was like, how did you get through this? How are you doing? She asked me questions and I looked at her and I told her it's all going to be okay. I'm going through it right now. Like I understand what you're going through. I really do. <laughs> Um, you know, I just tried to help her as best as I can. And I remember walking out of that building. I didn't cry with her. And as soon as I stepped out of that building away from her, I just broke down because I was like, this isn't okay. Why is someone else going through this? Um, and other times when um, my aunt died and my grandpa died, both of those funerals were very hard. And since then, I haven't been to another one. Um, I don't choose to go to the funerals if I don't have to. I don't want to go. Um, and it's just a very hard thing to deal with. And I think um, watching other people grieve and, you know, go through the same things that you're going through is not easy because you know how hard it is. Um, and that's basically my story. <laughs> I don't really know much yeah. else to say about it. Uh, I, I totally agree with you on the funeral thing. Um, yeah, I never saw my mom. Was your mom buried? Yeah, she was at the same church that my dad preached at. So right by our old house too. So that was why moving was also very hard because she was there and that's how I felt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I have the same thing with funerals. I have a really hard time. Yeah. It's different when it's like a celebration of life kind of thing where it's more of that, you know, like my son's lacrosse coach just died about a month ago and mm -hmm. he was young he was 46 so it was yeah. more of a celebration of life kind of thing and that's yeah. not so hard but to go to an actual you know yeah. funeral and so I never saw my mom lowered into you know the ground like that which I feel mm -hmm. like is a very final kind of thing it yeah. provides some it was, sort of closure or, yeah it was raining the day of my mom's funeral so we didn't see it that day but because we did live in the house when they finally did bury her we were there 
Um, my dad went out there by himself, but I don't think he wanted any of us to go out there. And I don't think any of us did, but I do remember seeing it from yeah. a window or something, but I wasn't out there, no. Yeah, yeah. So just one thing I want to say to you, first of all, <clears throat> so you were 10 when your mom died, is that correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you talked a lot about um, like that you, you had the intuition that you knew things that were going on, but that people were trying to shield you from it. Mm -hmm. And then you flipped that and because you could sense that they were hurting, that then you tried to care for them. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like we talk about, you know, uh, that kids are resilient and they do this and they do that. But I'm like, no, they're intuitive. They know what's going yeah. on, even if we yeah. try to shield them. Yeah. 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 It's just something we try not to talk about. Cause okay, we're not supposed to know, but we know <laughs> and we know right. you're hurting. Right. Um, there was actually a post on my mom's Facebook from an old family friend that we had. And when my mom was in hospice, apparently, I don't remember this, but she posted that day. She was like, I went to see Becca today and she brought pictures out of you. And I don't know who had the pictures or who brought the pictures of my mom, but we were looking through pictures of my mom and she started crying. And she said that I went, I left her, put the pictures away, came back and sat with her and held her while she was crying while my mom was in the hospital. And that's something for me that I'm like, wow, like that's insane. That's really difficult for me to think about now because it's very hard for me to have sympathy for other people at times because of, I'm like, why are you crying about that? What? Like, I don't understand. Um, just stuff like that is just very difficult. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but maybe that's just been your own self-defense mechanism, you know, Yeah, yeah. to protect yourself from the whole depth of what those emotions would be if you did allow yourself to go there, you know? Yeah. Um, but, th but you also talk about, you know, that you had confusion because like, you didn't know why Juan was crying and you didn't understand yeah. why all these people were so upset. Um, so I just see, I just want to rec recognize and infer, affirm in you a level of maturity that unfortunately I think often comes with, um, you know, these kinds of situations, but you have a level of maturity at the age of 18 that is just remarkable. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, a really, really impressive, um, I, I, you know, what you were saying too about the IB program, um, that it keeps you, I forget the words you use, but I wrote down distracted. Yeah, yeah. Being busy helps keep you distracted. Yeah, um, but I think, you know, that when you said you had that period of time that was so hard, those two years, um, that they were your hardest dark time, I, you know, that's grieving too. Mm -hmm. you know, and especially when we're young and we don't do it at the time and there's confusion, but intuition and maturity, like, yeah, just uh, you've, you've, you are so mature, but just, you know, to recognize for the, unfortunately for the rest of your life, this kind of stuff is going to happen and keep coming up. Yeah. And, and, and I, that, and I think that, yeah, I think the reason I feel like I didn't grieve is because everything just kept hitting me, you know, money problems, moving, things with my dad, things with my dad's girlfriend, things with my dog, you know, everything just coming at once, my aunt dying, my grandpa dying. So it was just very hard for me to feel like I grieved my mom because mm -hmm. I also felt like I was grieving other things because <laughs> mm -hmm. it was just a lot happening in a few years. Mm -hmm. And also you were 10 years old. I mean, you yeah. know, how, how you, even though you were intuitive and could could figure out what was going on around you, you actually don't have the capacity to fully understand the depth of, you know, it's what you said. You, you had intuition and confusion all at the same time, which is yeah. 
for a 10 year old is, is exactly <laughs> what you should have, you know? And quite honestly, for you, you're 18. Now this whole frontal part of your brain doesn't actually fully develop until you're 25. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so a long way to go. Yeah. And, and just don't be too hard on yourself about, I don't think that I've fully grieved because you will continue to grieve. You yeah. Have things, you know, like you said, on yeah. graduation, I love that you had your mom's ring on and that you <laughs> yeah, I have the and, video. Oh, that's so, so awesome. That's so awesome. <laughs> If you have the video, maybe I can share it when we when we post the podcast. Yeah. Um, but you know, um, just that uh, it will you'll be continuing to grieve and yeah. like these life events, you know, that you guys talked about your I sister know. getting married this weekend. You know, those will all be yeah. times that. But I think you you're already doing a good job of being able to just honor her in the process. Yeah. Um, and that you talk about her all the time. I just think that that's <laughs> really 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 great. Honestly, I think that the reason I talk about her so much is that because Ramy was always very open with me and everyone was open, but Ramy, I feel like at when I was younger was the most honest mm-hmm. and he was um, the most involved with me at the time because everyone was so busy. And that's what I'm saying at like different times. I had different siblings and different people. And um, I honestly think that because he talked to me about it so much, he made it easy for me to talk to other people about it. Mm-hmm. Uh. What a gift that is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so the other thing I just wanted to say too, because I had this happen, my my sister um, passed away in January of 2020. And I always had this negative association of the word hospice. Um, and it mm-hmm. sounds like your um, your um, interaction with it and your your view of it seems like a pretty positive thing like it was a beautiful place yeah. and your mom was comfortable and it was quiet and it, until you yeah. guys were playing games but <laughs> yeah yeah um I think just being able to to get that out there into the world to, to change the perspective of hospice because I I mean I think mm-hmm. because we all know what the end game of hospice is but it was it was such a supportive thing for my sister like oh mm-hmm. and your brother Raymond said that He's like, you know, it takes a special person to be able to do that, which I wholeheartedly agree with. Um, But I'm so glad that it was a beautiful thing for you, um, Mm -hmm. that you felt like it was, like it's an honoring thing, right? Yeah. Of the person that you love. Yeah. And we've been back there a few times. It's always quiet there. It's just a peaceful place. I mean, Mm -hmm. even to go back and just, you know, uh, relive that moment and just be there and it's just an amazing feeling. I don't know how to describe it, but it just is very surreal to go mm-hmm. back and be able to experience it all over again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's so good that you guys have that. Yeah. Um, and so just the other point I wanted to make is that I am so impressed that you just recognize the love and support from your mom. And that that's, mm-hmm. you know, like you're, you probably said that five times, but that's <laughs> yeah. what you will always take yeah. with you is how loving and supportive she was. Um, and that's a, that's a phenomenal thing. And I hope that you do continue to find ways to build that in your life and to, you know, mm-hmm. remember that I'm always here watching you from the sidelines. Um, yeah. you know, I'm, I mean, a lot of, I don't want to, I don't want this to be like a derogatory thing, but some people who still have their moms physically in their lives, never feel that kind of love and support in that relationship, a daughter and a mom. It's a really tough relationship. If you ever yeah. if you have kids, you'll, <laughs> you'll see if you have yeah. a daughter, 
But um, so the fact that you're able to just, you know, take that and have that with you. And it's, mm -hmm. I can tell like it's wholehearted in you when you say it and you talk about mm -hmm. it, like it's coming from within. Mm -hmm. um, that good for you. Yeah. <laughs> and because... You. And because I have all of my mom's characteristics and attributes, you know, like I can look in the mirror and just feel happy. <laughs> like it's just a very good feeling. And I know that whenever I get older and I have kids, I want to be the same mother she was. Um, there are things obviously that will probably be different, but she definitely showed me how to take care of my kids. She also gave me my love for kids. Um, and now I want to be a pedi pediatrician. So that's my end goal. So like my sister said that she helped her with her career without knowing she helped me with mine and I don't have it yet, but mm -hmm. it's on the way. Yeah. Right. With Danielle, it was like Sudoku puzzles or something, right? That she yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. I did yeah. the same things with my mom. The logic yeah. puzzles are the ones that are on the um, LSAT, I think is what it's called. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just, that's just great. And then I, and you're like a living legacy of her yeah. and for her um and I definitely and, recognize that yeah yeah well that's be very proud of that um, <laughs> you know and use that in the times when you need it to feel the love mm -hmm. and support that um that you were so lucky to have from your mom so yeah well so I usually ask everybody to, if they have some sort of last advice to share or a takeaway that you might have to share with the people listening today um, I think the biggest advice that I can give anyone is just to try to look on the bright side through every situation and see the beauty through the pain and realize why you're hurting and why you're actually upset and deal with it one day at a time because it doesn't get easier. It just gets, I don't know, <laughs> normal <laughs> um, or more normal, um, but I think being able to see the bright side of situations, like me being able to see the bright side of my best friend coming back and having her in my life, things like that, there's always a bright side and there's always something better coming and there's going to be pain, but there's also going to be happiness in the future. And that's always something that I've looked forward to and looked forward to having a family and kids and all of that kind of stuff. So I think it's just super important to see the bright side of situations and just learn from what you go through. <laughs> mm -hmm. Wow. Well, okay. You just there again, reiterate my whole thing I said about how mature you are, um, yeah. that you've <laughs> taken this and um, it's mm -hmm. brought you to a level of maturity that most 18 year olds don't have. So, yeah. well, thank you so much, Rebecca, for being no here problem. today. Yeah. Thank you for story. allowing me. Hmm. I'm sorry you were nervous, but I hope that you feel better now. Yeah, I do feel better. <laughs> good, good, yes. good. Thanks again, Rebecca. You're welcome. If you'd like more information on my thoughts about the grief journey, please visit my website, yourgriefjourney.com. If you'd be interested in being interviewed for a podcast, please send me an email to daughterswithoutmoms at gmail.com.